Cool. Cool. Welcome to episode 34 of Tech of a Tea. I'm, as always, your host, Brody Robertson. And today we have a returning guest. Welcome back to the show, Brian Jenks. Hello. I think you were last on... Actually, what episode were you last on? That's a good question. Let's go... I, I think it might have been the teens. Yeah, it was certainly a while ago. Um, I think if I Google Tech Over Tea, I can actually find my show now. Tech Over Tea, Brian Jenks. Let's find out. <laughs> uh, That's a long one. Let's see. Oh, no, there's just your LinkedIn. We don't need that one. 12. Wow, that was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, that was nearly half a year ago at this point. It's been a while. Mm. How you been, man? I've been good. Uh, <laughs> YouTube's been going pretty well. I'm not growing as fast as uh, you and others, but then again, I don't post once a day anymore. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but you have been growing yeah, relatively yeah. quickly. Like, I know for a while there, you're actually, what, five or 600 subs a month or so. Well, that was just a one quick burst because I had a, a video featured on Brad Traversy's channel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been in a group on Discord uh, server for just programming niche YouTubers. And a lot of my early stuff got their attention, so they invited me in. Even though right now I'm kind of doing a little bit more on the like personal knowledge management stuff mm -hmm. and research-related topics. But... Uh, I'm kind of like in a bunch of different niches with the channel. And I honestly, I'm not really too concerned with turning it into a hardcore business. So mm. I'm kind of just, I make videos on what I want. People seem to like it. And if they stick around, that's great. Well, but, yeah, you uh, basically flipped up your entire content, like upside down from where you originally started. And now you're like, oh, I'm a Mac OS. So if anyone doesn't know who you are, what did you actually start doing on YouTube? Because that was the original reason we did the, uh, the first podcast. Yeah, I started off as one of the Luke Smith emulators. <laughs> like, not not just at the level of emulating like I was, you were actually emulating his like older thumbnail style as well. Yeah, I started off with a couple early thumbnails with that before I realized, like, you know, this, this isn't going to work, and <laughs> I need to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. And to do anything like that is just, like, it's bad taste. Yeah. So I, could, I, took, I took a couple of those down, and, uh, yeah... I like doing my own thumbnails in a, mm -hmm. like I try to make, try and make nicer thumbnails these days. Like I'm using Figma for a lot of that stuff now. I use my green screen photos. I'm trying to actually put more effort into a lot of the stuff, which means I do only post like once a week now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really so should. I can manage. I really should get a green screen because what I'm doing right now to do my cutouts is I've got a, should I show you? It, I've got a wall over there. Normally it's not pink. And normally it's also brighter, but there's a, a wall over there. Um, but I, it's very difficult to chroma key myself out of that. So I, I have to kind of do it manually, which is <laughs> more time consuming than I want it to be. Yeah, there's this website that um, if, you, if you know her off of YouTube, Real Tough Candy, she just posted it in the, the server about this. You just upload a green screen picture in there. Mm -hmm. And it does all of the chroma key editing for you. Oh, you don't wow. even need GIMP anymore. It's like high quality photo. And a lot of the like edging around you is taken care of. It's actually really, really awesome. It makes all the green screen cutouts super, super easy. Hmm. I'll actually send that to you. Yeah, do that. I'll actually bring it up on screen if I remember where my window is. Is that 
I moved that way off to the side. Hey, look, it, it keeps working. That's cool. Um. Yeah. Remove.bg. Okay, sure. And that's that one. Yes, I'm forgetting what my keys are now. Okay, so yeah, you just upload a picture and it does its job, I guess. That's cool. Yeah. Upload, Tracing. download, all done. Free account, 50 previews, one free credit, apps for Windows, Mac, and Linux, and Adobe Photoshop. Hmm. I just figured, like, I don't really use this type of stuff a lot, and some of the advice in the server was just, hey, take a bunch of pictures of yourself one time and then just reuse them across different things. Just take a lot. Mm -hmm. So just doing that in batches, do a batch, and then you're good for a while. That's fair. Because what I've been doing right now is basically just taking them as I need them. I'll usually sit down on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday because I've finished recording. Like I've been doing batch recordings and then finish around Tuesday-ish, generally, unless I have stuff to do. Um, so I usually sit down the next day and then just batch edit thumbnails. Previously, they didn't take that long, but because I've had to be manually editing out, board, uh, editing out borders, they've been taking a, a lot longer than they should. Plus, I have obviously been putting more effort into them because I kind of value quality thumbnails at this point because I have noticed they have, been, they have been doing some positive effects to the channel, so I'm putting more effort into them. Um, but yeah, that'll, that'll definitely save me a lot of time once I actually get the, uh, the green screen for sure. Yeah, the, the whole face in the thumbnail type stuff and the whole just seeing a person in it. Somebody in the server posted an article about it, about mm -hmm. how those actually like drastically increase the traffic to videos. It's weird. But so I'm just like, okay, well, if you want to see my face that badly, here we go. Yeah, I I don't really care about it. I, I said when I started doing them, like, I'll do them every couple of videos. Now I'm just like, a lot of my videos, they have a lot of free space in the <laughs> thumbnail. So... I could put something there, I guess, and my face is going to be in every video anyway, so I might as well. I like the, the one of the ones, I think it's my next video, or I got two more queued up mm -hmm. because I did a batch, and it was just, that was like really hard on me. Like, I almost burnt myself out, so mm -hmm. I shot like a batch of six or seven, and I finally just finished it, editing the last two, like four, four weeks later. Um, Jesus. But one of them, I think it's either next week or the week after, I have a thumbnail and I'm doing one of those ridiculous faces that you know gets a lot of views where it's just like in the thumbnail, it's just like... <laughs> I, I uh -oh. don't want to give my Discord material. That's my problem. Because I know if I give them material, <laughs> they're going to start editing pictures. Um, oh wait, where, uh, you know what? I'll bring it up. Let's see if we can find... Uh, yeah, I have it over here. Let me find my fan art folder. Uh, yes, I have a fan art folder because my Discord are terrible people. Um, you got the Linux meme subculture. Shout out to the <laughs> Discord, yeah. <laughs> uh, here we go. So, I'll just... How do we do this? Here's my new um, profile picture on Twitter if, in case you haven't seen it. <laughs> yes, I did see that one. That's a uh, courtesy of one of my mods. So I've is had that Mr. Meeseeks. Uh, no, it was Hum that was that that made that one. Oh, okay. Mr. Meeseeks made the other one that I'm going to show you. Um, okay, let's, let's see which one are we going to use. Uh, 
Let's not use that one. I'm not going to use any of the ones that are too political, because those are amusing, but I might, I'll send you those ones afterwards. Uh, here we go. I think this is my, <laughs> my new Twitter banner. You can't see the entire thing on Twitter, though. It's like, oh, here's, uh, here's your new um, YouTube uh, channel banner. I was like, I can't use that. I would use it. It's too small, though, because YouTube has a limit of, like, or a minimum limit of like 2052 by 1150 or something. It's slightly too small. Yeah. So sadly, mine, I can't like, use I, that. <laughs> I had to fiddle with the sizing mm -hmm. for that damn image for probably a couple hours because I needed to make it, you know, work for TV and mobile and the computer Wait. at the same time. You do know there's like a template for it, right? Yeah, so okay. afterwards, okay. I finally found that template, and I'm like, are you serious? And so I finally like, got all the images set up with the right pixel locations, mm -hmm. and now it all, it all works seamlessly. Yeah. But finding the template was a pain at first, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so stupid. Mm -hmm. it, it can stay there for like a year now. Like, I'm, I'm done looking at that now. Yeah, I, uh, I need to go redo some of my art. I got one of my mates to do the art, but... Um, when he gave me the the pictures for it, he actually merged down some of the layers a bit too much, so it's a bit hard to edit some of them. So I'm probably going to trace over them and then just work from that. Because I don't yeah, like I, the art; really it's just like... it's kind of hard to work with. Yeah, I, that's why I like I really like editing my thumbnails in Figma now because a lot of the elements that I really like, actually, like, it's the same standard size, so I just overlay a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. When I like something, I can easily just copy it, copy and paste it between my different thumbnails, or edit the colors or something. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed you now have I a very, you have a, like a very consistent thumbnail design. It's it's starting to starting to settle. I'm mm -hmm. trying to find something that like really works for me that I really like that is also not too it doesn't burn people out too quickly. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, let's see if we can. There's your channel. Wow, you are very much. Uh, uh, taken up the face thumbnails. Yeah. <laughs> but that, plus uh, my current topic I've been gushing about lately, mm -hmm. uh, really got me a lot of traffic, a lot of um, a lot of new subs, a lot of traffic, and then I got people asking me to make courses and stuff now, <laughs> or they really, I get a lot of traffic in my live stream mm -hmm. uh, on Twitch because people want to see me actually using the app because of how I've configured it. Okay. So a lot of people that use it are not like super technical. They're more like people who are academics or just want to do note taking yep. or younger students. So when somebody walks in like, okay, how can I view, how can I use uh, a markdown environment in this note taking app? Hmm. Let's embed videos with iframes and have a preview version. And then I can type notes and watch the video at the same time. And then, you know, use some scripting languages cause it's just plain text files and, mm -hmm. You know, all that kind of stuff. So they're like, oh, interesting channel. Yeah, that actually is pretty neat. You've kind of found yourself this weird niche that, uh, I guess there's a lot of content here. Um, yeah, yeah I got, it's uh, not my thing, but it's awesome. I, it, it's kind of weird because I kind of, I don't want to move away from the tech space because there's a lot that can be done there. Yeah. And it's also kind of lucrative if you can get into courses and teaching. But at the same time, I'm really into the, like the productivity, mm -hmm. academics, research, note-taking space. So a lot of the productivity YouTubers are starting to talk to me. And I just did 
um, it hasn't been posted yet, but Keep Productive, mm-hmm. they have, I think, uh, 120K. They we did a, a call that should be posted on their channel sometime soon that'll you know help promote their course. But we were just talking about how I use the application they're making the course on. So yeah, yeah. Previously, we were talking about that um that video uh, video you did on Travisy Media. I had no idea that you'd done that until I checked out your website the other day, and I saw this like little thing at the bottom like. Featured on Travesty Media. It's like, okay. Uh, and then it was like a, an hour and a half long R course. Mm-hmm. Or introduction to R or whatever it was uh, exactly called. Uh, I'll see if I can find yeah, it. He, he was, he, when he put out his video about him wanting to take a break and just feature like other smaller channels or people, um, he, I sent, you know, I shot my shot. I just sent him an email and mm-hmm. said, you know, here's some of my, uh, some of the topics I already do. And, he said, okay, well, these are pretty interesting. I like your teaching style for this one. I don't have anything about R, mm-hmm. so how about that? So I'm like, okay. And then I have a standing offer right now. I just need to get around to it. But mm-hmm. um, Free Code Camp wanted me to give them a video on Bash and on uh, R as well, because they only have like one Bash video. Mm-hmm. And it's not like the language. It's like move a directory, make uh, a file, yeah, you know, like that type of stuff. Like I'm talking... Oh, here's brace expansion and variables, and you know actually how to do things with Bash the language. Mm-hmm. Um, well, glue for C, but uh, yeah, that and uh, an R course because they also have like basic R, but mm-hmm. R, base R, not like tidyverse R. If you know anything about that, so I have no idea about R. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, it's like it's like using vanilla JavaScript, or the only other option is like the version of a framework, which is really, there's right. only one thing. It's like framework, which is really nice and you know, a lot easier mm-hmm. or vanilla JS, but it's all, it's not as bad as vanilla JS. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's the same sort of, um, environment that exists around Ruby where you have vanilla Ruby, which no one uses and then rails. Yeah. Well, a lot of people do use base and you get like those diehards. Sure. Yeah. Like, Someone, yeah, someone's going to leave me a comment base. now being like, oh, I like Ruby. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> I was playing, um, there's like, uh, what was it called? Uh, the Code Challenges. Uh, code Wars? No, it wasn't Code Wars. Anyways, it was one of those like code game websites where you play with your viewers and oh, it's yeah. like a live stream game. I was on uh, one of the other um, programming YouTubers uh, streams and we were all playing this coding game and Ruby is hacks. Ruby is hacks. Like they're like, okay, I need thirty. Like I had, it's like based on character count. So like I had one hundred and thirty six lines in Python with no extraneous stuff to do this like weird context of string manipulation, and somebody did it in like twelve characters in Ruby. Like what the hell? Ruby is hacks. It's like Perl with regular expressions. Like mm-hmm. how how do you get such power out of so many so few characters? Regex is something that I've never really I like I've dived into it enough to do what I need to do, but I've never really dived deep into it. I read the it's like one of those animal books. I think it was like Introduction to Red Regular Expressions. It's like mm-hmm. a seventy I mean actually it might even be a couple hundred pages. Either way, I actually read that thing cover mm-hmm. to cover. And I took some cliff notes on it because really there's not too much you really need to know um, to really be effective with it. But I actually really like regex. And that's one of the things is um, 
with the, the note-taking app I'm using, because it's using Markdown, you can search and you can use regex searches on content mm -hmm. or titles or whatever. Um, people just want to search for something or want to find a way to do something. I'm like, why don't you just use a regular expression? Like, what's that? Okay, let me tell you what that is. Run this command. Mm -hmm. Problem solved. So it seems like there's a really untapped section here where there's a lot of people who are using these productivity tools but don't understand the, I guess, the programmatic side to it. Massively. Like, you have to get the, the people who never came from, like, the sphere of the internet that we, you know, uh, you know lived in for a while where mm -hmm. it's command line all the things. Like, you're intimately familiar with command line stuff mm -hmm. or you're a complete GUI baby. Yeah. So you don't know anything else but button clicking. And so, you know, kind of towing both lines here. So I'm like trying to you know, bridge that gap. But at the same time, it's like these people don't, they want, I want a button, a button to click for this feature. I want to be able to do this. I'm like, you could just run a regular expression. You could just write a simple, like three command bash command and on, on your directory. And there you go. Mm -hmm. Same, same result, but you don't need to wait for somebody to develop something like, yeah, command line's super powerful. You can do a lot with a little. Same, sometimes, you know, humans are visual creatures. We want mm -hmm. GUI applications. Maybe some people do, maybe some people don't. But like some things, I'm actually really enjoying with using the GUI. And then if I really want something done quickly, like I'll use the command line. Yeah, that's fair. Like, the, like this, this application. Yeah, it's a GUI application. It's an Electron GUI application for note-taking. It mm -hmm. just looks at a directory full of markdown files. If anybody cares, it's called Obsidian. Mm -hmm. And if I, I had to do some refactoring on some of my notes, I got a couple hundred notes in there, and I need to change some text that I have across dozens and dozens of notes, said with a regular expression. Otherwise, you'd be like everybody else who's like, I have to change all these files manually one by one. Nah, said, regular expressions, done. I run one command, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, I had someone leave me a comment being like, hey, can you look at Obsidian on this channel? And I looked at it and I was like, I have no idea what I'd say about this. It's like, it's like, this is not my, my field of expertise. I wonder if it's because we've done videos together and we mentioned each other and we're interacting on YouTube that it's one of us is popping up for the other person and they're like, ah, same hmm. space. I'm going to ask you now. Yeah, that's possible. But like, it, it looks like a really neat tool, but... It's just not it, like the thing that I use. I'm a very boring person when it comes to my uh, the way I do any of my scheduling, the way I do any of my note taking. I open up a Vim buffer. I have a l long list of bullet points, and that's about it. It's terribly organized. If like sometimes I'll look for a video, like I've got a a list of I think five hundred pieces of software I want to look at at some point. I have no idea what's on the list. There might be doubles. I don't care. I just sometimes scroll down the list, stop at a point. I'm like, I didn't write a description of what this thing is. Go to the GitHub page. Like, oh yeah, that's kind of neat. Like there's this plugin I, I did a video on that hasn't gone up yet. It's called um, Comfortable, yeah, Comfortable Vim or something like that. It adds inertial scrolling into Vim for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why you'd want that. But I just saw it on my list. Like, whatever. Let's just do a video on this one. You should write a script that just uses some, like some version of Rand, mm -hmm. and just randomly picks a line of what your video topic is going to be for that day. That would take like a minute. I could do it, but yeah, just, just make it make a randomizer. Like 
okay, what are we talking about today? <laughs> okay, it's that one. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes I do actually add things that are kind of timely to the list. Like, if someone asked me to cover something, then, yeah, I'll probably cover that. Like, someone asked me about, uh, what was it? Like, MPD. That's the reason why I started using that. Or someone asked me about some... I think someone asked me about uh, COC Explorer, which is the file tree I'm using in Vim right now. So, like, okay, I'll talk about that. But for the most part, most of the videos I fill out the week with are just random things that I come across on GitHub or come across on Reddit. Yeah, fair. If the, if the subscribers are asking for it, give the people what they want. Exactly. I was just starting this today to mess around with GitHub CLI because I think we talked about before how I was using, um, I forget what it was called, the, the Ruby, the expired Ruby project. It's not maintained anymore. Yes. But uh, I forget what it's called now. GHI, but I think? I was playing. Yeah, yeah. So I was playing around with GitHub CLI and I was just like, okay, I wonder if this is possible. And so I just said, hey, list out all my issues for this repo, mm -hmm. pipe that into FCF. And it actually, the output works perfectly. Like the output is not what it actually will look like if you just ran the GitHub command mm -hmm. and list it out because it actually has like some, you know, some pretty output. But if you pipe that into FCF, it gives you what looks like a better, like a clean interface of mm. standard in and out. And that way you could easily just write you could already write, you know, aliases and scripts with GitHub CLI, mm -hmm. but now you could also work it in with, okay, we got FCF, we get, what other tools can we connect to this? And mm -hmm. so I'm thinking there's, there's some good meat there that you could uh, tap into with GitHub CLI. Yeah, when I looked at it, it was, it was still a lot of work. Like you couldn't do things such as commenting on issues or anything like that. But if it's just listing out issues, there's no reason why that wouldn't work. And then you could even... I think they... Uh, yes. Sorry, um, I, I was just watching the video. You can, I think you can okay. like do full like body comments and titles, everything's for issues and pull requests. Oh, okay, it's improved since then. That's awesome. Yeah, because that was one of my main connections. Is okay if I can't even like then what I what the thing I mainly use this for is like a running log of how I'm working on this issue and it mm -hmm. as it develops. If I can't do that from the CLI, then I'm, it's not really much purpose of me doing this in the CLI. I might have to readdress the uh the tool then because that was one of my big concerns and i think i also there's some other little things that i didn't like about it but i'll check it out again and just see if any of them have been fixed because that's why i, I did the video on ghi afterwards because that was the only tool i could find where you could actually comment on issues and being a really old ruby application it had a lot of issues it had issues like printing out the um the printing out the issues i guess uh, it was using GitHub's older authentication system because they switched, I think, to OAuth. Um, and I think actually by about now or so, they would have deprecated the old method anyway. So I don't think GHI would even work at this point. Uh, but if, yeah, if the GitHub CLI tool is better now, I'll have to check that out. One thing that GHI still, <laughs> I think, does a little bit better mm -hmm. if you really care about nice-looking terminal output is the the issue label colors. Mm. <laughs> I don't think I don't think GitHub CLI does that yet. If okay, we'll ever do that. It might do it at some but point, but pathetic. it's not. It's that's not a super big deal, I guess. If you really care about the colors, it's just aesthetics. If it at least tells you the uh, the tag for it, that's probably good enough. Yeah, it visually separates it enough to make it obvious, which is the point. Mm -hmm. Like if you're if you're there to get work done, you, you know shouldn't matter too much.
Well, and if it separate, uh, separates it out by the tag, then you can at least do your own filtering on it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pipe that in the grip, pipe that into FCF, pick your issue, pick your thing, write mm-hmm. your script, bam. Hashtag productivity. So, speaking of that, my mouse, oh, my mouse just died. <laughs> okay. Um, speaking of that, what made you decide to switch over to macOS? Um, I, I made a my, my unboxing video. I listed off a lot of reasons that some people still uh, are still want to like argue about, but it was mainly for school. Mm-hmm. There's two main points and a lot of other like, little points that just like help support my original two points and or make me feel better about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, school, because yep. school only supports Windows or Mac, and I refuse to use Windows anymore if I can help it, other than like work. Mm-hmm. Uh, because even if it does use WSL, I'd, I'd rather just use a native Nix environment. Yeah. So, you know, we got the command line. It's a, it's a Unix-based operating system. Mm-hmm. Good enough. Um, two, video editing. Mm-hmm. A the the package I bought so I, t- I did this a little bit smart is I got a student discount so I saved a lot of money and then because I own on paper too my actual business I wrote this off also as a business expense <laughs> so a lot of the costs of this is not really a, an issue for me mm-hmm. so that wasn't an issue and I want I got the video editing software so I got Final Cut Pro and the thing is a beast. Like I got nearly maxed out specs. I have no issues. They fixed the the thermal um, thermal throttling stuff. They added another fan. Um, a lot of what I didn't like and what a lot of people didn't like about it that was off putting enough to keep me from it was fixed in this this exact current iteration. Um, so I got this one, and the thing should last for a long time. It'll have resale value, and those are like the main main points. The yeah, other small minutia. Would be like okay well now i actually have a native linux um, native uh, mac os environment where i could also test scripts for when i use those on you know, other systems like for instance using sed even with the gnu core utils unless i did some like you know more effort to alias some things but the sed that's actually used in mac os requires some weird finagling with dot back files mm-hmm. for backing up which was annoying as hell for my flash script that you know i I still plan to do some stuff with that in the future. It's kind of been neglected. But I had a pull request from somebody who helped me with that about some weird BS with said not working because of that issue on macOS, which I had no idea about. So, Yeah, that's um, the problem with relying scripts. on the, uh, the GNU options and the GNU implementations. There's, there's extensions in there that just simply don't work on other systems. But when they work, oh my god. They're so nice. I imagine this, a similar issue may have existed over on BSD as well then. Yeah, because um, when I open the man pages for any of the commands, uh, it, it by, by default, these new models come with ZSH now and not that you know crap old binary of Bash anymore. And so I'm officially using ZSH now, which I, I'm surprised. Like, I thought this was like, a, oh, this is a big change. This is going to change, change things for you. Like, oh. Pretty much nothing changed. Okay. It's just Maybe bash just plus like some niceties, basically. Yeah. 
the the command remembering and uh, like autofill for some of the commands is really nice because I run a lot of things the same over and over again. So mm -hmm. that's actually really helpful. And I I was lazy because again, like I mentioned in my video about it, is I also just need something that yeah, it's meme worthy, just works. Um, yeah, I just need something that was set up and mm -hmm. works great and is not Windows. So yeah, I mean I could have done something like Linux Mint, but Linux not supported. Yeah, so that's fair. A lot of things just came together, and mm -hmm. it, it just ended up pointing to this. And I'll also like just doing my YouTube channel, video editing, any sort of media stuff. It's all great on here. And then I have a Windows partition to do gaming when I actually ever get around to that. So how is uh, Final Cut? I hear like some people say they absolutely love it. Some people think it's the worst thing ever created. What is your opinion on Final Cut? I've never actually used it myself. Okay, so context. I've used a lot of video editors. I used to make, you know, when I was into it, I made a lot of parkour videos. I made just videos about stuff. So I've used that crappy, you know, 2013 Windows Movie Maker. I've used the new Movie Maker. I've used Sony Vegas Pro. I've used DaVinci Resolve. I've used OpenShot and I've used FFmpeg. <laughs> um, and now I'm on Final Cut Pro. And so far to date, Final Cut Pro is the thing that I've had the most easy time with. Mm -hmm. It's, it actually is really powerful, but, and you can get a lot of, you know, really powerful stuff out of it. But if you walk into it, like I'm still like, I haven't watched hardly any tutorials on it. I'm not like hyper optimizing all my settings and all this crap in here. I really just drop in footage, do what little I know about editing. And my output, as you've seen, got a lot better mm -hmm. than when I wasn't editing. Um, but stuff like just, chroma key your green screen, overlay multiple layers, and you know, fiddle with uh, different elements. Like I got the, you know, the recorded iPhone screen, and then I added an image of a frame that's transparent and put like, it looks like an iPhone on your screen while it's going and you're talking about it. Like you know, all that stuff, super easy. Mm -hmm. Add some layers, add some music, change some settings. It's, it's so easy. And then what I really enjoy about it is that um, at least with you know, my setup and what I have, I'm not sure if this is different between different models because I'm still new to all this Apple stuff. Um, it actually renders live in the background. Mm -hmm. So as I'm editing, it's already rendered that footage. So if I make a change, it re-renders, but the whole thing renders real time. And it's not like my I hear my fans going the whole time. It's, it's actually really low key. Mm -hmm. And it renders everything so that as soon as I finish editing, I'm just making those final touches, I can just literally hit, okay, I'm done. Share. And then there's a file immediately to my desktop. Hmm. So that's, that's really, really convenient. That actually sounds kind of nice. Yeah, I mean, this thing, I, I got pretty much a, a max spec model. So I got like uh, eight cores, or uh, actually it might be 16 cores. I don't know. It's like an i9 and okay. max GPU, max RAM. I got 64 gigs of RAM. Like this thing is pretty much everything is top or just, just right there. So even when I'm rendering like an hour, hour and a half long of you know 1080p, uh, video with multiple layers and lots of assets, even that, like a dream. I have so many programs up and running that are resource hogs, several Electron apps. Mm -hmm. I, I have had no issues with anything performance-wise. I open HTOP and I'm like, that's it? Holy crap. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would hope that you're not having performance issues with a, a system like that. No. 
Well, over on the the Linux side, we're finally getting something nice happening on video editing. Uh, in the next version of Caden Live, it's supposed to have experimental uh, vi um, experimental GPU rendering, which it's had for a very long time, but it just hasn't worked. So maybe one day we can use our GPUs to render. I don't <laughs> have high hopes, though. I'm waiting for Olive to to become stable. Once Olive is stable, I am dropping Caden live forever. <laughs> have you have you ever used OpenShot? I used to use OpenShot. I did a video talking about why I hate OpenShot. Okay, I hate it too. But you know how it, it's just so simple. Make make a couple cuts, render, just render to my desktop. I don't care. Just render the video. I could not even render a one minute clip on my ThinkPad. I had 16 gigs of RAM. Mm -hmm. I had the i7. I, you know, I pretty much tried to, I tried to do everything to that old ass X220 to squeeze every little bit of performance out of it. And it could not even render a one minute clip without going over 96 degrees Celsius and dying. <laughs> I had like that a weird little, like, uh, I think it's like, O, o thermal or some some like weird like thermal fan that sucks air out mm -hmm. and i had that thing on max on the vent still it's like okay guess i'm not editing videos on this computer again hence this thing mm -hmm. <laughs> i literally couldn't edit without ffmpeg yeah i end up leaving open shop because i had too many times that it corrupted a um like i'd get to the end of editing i would have everything saved and it was like, oh, the uh, project file is just corrupted. Like, what? So, one thing I like about uh, Final Cut Pro, if I'm allowed to keep plugging Mac stuff. You can do that, um, that's fine. <laughs> uh, one thing I really like about it is that sometimes I've had crashes. Mm -hmm. It's only been like twice since I've owned this thing. And it's, I don't even think it's related to like how, the size of whatever I'm working on. But it crashes. I open it, everything's exactly where I left it. Mm -hmm. No issues, just, oh, that was weird. Okay, back to work. And then I have a video, I think it's, um, yeah, my video in two weeks is how I, a lot of these other video editors, I think DaVinci Resolve, um, Adobe, whatever the Adobe thing is that people use, there's like some way where you can get um, your edits or whatever you're editing, like the metadata of your editing. Mm -hmm exported to a plain text file so that you can grab timestamps from markers in your um, timeline of the video feed. Mm -hmm. And I was trying for the life of me to figure out how to do this with Final Cut Pro. I did Google searches. I looked on, on GitHub, nothing. I looked at the Apple documentation about this. <clears throat> so turns out Final Cut will actually export to some weird format, um, FCPXML. So XML, but weird Final Cut Pro stuff. Sure. In any case, I took that plain text output. Ah, it's XML tags. One of them is called marker. Mm -hmm. I, you know, grab out all the markers. I look at stuff. And then there was some this weird time conversion. Like the way they represent time, like it's a starting point in some weird format divisible by this number. That's like the starting point and then duration. And it was, it was stupid. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find any documentation any videos, any resources on it whatsoever. And then I find like a one-year-old GitHub project of somebody using exactly that, but for like Blender. Like sure. they took all these 
timestamps for something for Blender. So I like totally chopped up their script. It's like some some Python script and made like a little bit of a bash helper thing because I'm not that great with Python yet. And basically made it read from standard in, output to standard out, and it'll pull out all those markers and formulate my YouTube timestamps. So I basically just put markers in my video, mm-hmm. save the rendered clip, which it does in the background, and then save the XML file, run the script on the XML file, and now I have a plain text file with all of those formatted timestamps. So if you look at any of my videos, that pinned comment, mm-hmm. that's completely automated. I just make markers in the timeline, mm. export the XML, and bam. And so that whole workflow and all the resources, uh, I got a video about that coming out in two weeks. I was really happy with that one. I should look into doing that in uh, or seeing if it's possible in Caden Live because people keep being like, "Hey, you should do markers," and you're like, "You can do markers in like the description or whatever." I'm really lazy. I've done them for some videos and then just forget to do them for others. Yeah, the the laziness factor of that is one of the reasons why I didn't do it a lot. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't noticed, I'm really long winded, so yeah. <laughs> it's a necessity. Well, with my videos, it it doesn't really make as much sense. But when you're doing a very structured tutorial, I can see why there'd be value there. I still just put them in, even if it's not super structured. But most of mine are now. I write scripts now, mm-hmm. but um, at least topic scripts. I don't write the word scripts, but uh, just to give people like jumping points, if you have a general idea, just because I know that personally, I can't watch longer videos unless it, I have either timestamps. Or I watch that thing on two and a half speed because mm. I don't have the attention span for anything slower or longer. So what was I going to say? Um, I had a topic and then I forgot it. Um, <laughs> uh, shit. Timestamps. Timestamps. Something about it was something about timestamps. Um, no, it's gone. Well, I don't put them in my descriptions mm-hmm. because uh, even though there is that really cool like uh, progress bar mm-hmm. timestamping feature that YouTube added, I don't take advantage of it because you know if you let all those descriptions get stale, a lot of your links are old. Yeah. So I actually do bulk editing of all of my descriptions with all my latest links all at once mm-hmm. on every video. And so my pinned comment is always my timestamps. I don't get to use that nice shiny feature, yeah. but at the same time, every video back forever, even when I do YouTube for many years, way back when, all my links will still be you know, modern. So when people like stumble upon my channel from like an ancient video from the, the dark days, um, <laughs> they'll still be able to get to my current socials, so. Yeah. Yeah, I should go back and bulk edit some of my older stuff. I didn't realize you could do it with the uh, the current studio. Yeah, that's. I don't think TubeBuddy likes you knowing that, but yeah, you don't even need them for that. Because <laughs> I know it was really, really easy to do with the um, the old studio before they brought the new one in. But yeah, I I never used the old studio for that. Oh, okay. The only thing I really used it for because I obviously didn't edit it like that. Um, the old well, the only thing I did was go back and manual, oh, sorry, go back and automatically enable monetization on all of my old content. Because when, at least at the time, when you got monetization, it only enabled it from today onwards. So if you had a backlog of four hundred videos, none of them would be monetized. <laughs> I have a, 
I have a funny story about my monetization. Okay. So I hit 4,000 watch hours um, before I hit 2,000 subs. Uh, so 1,000 subs. Or, I think oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Reverse. Actually, I, I hit 1,000 subs before I hit my 4,000 watch hours. Right. But then as soon as I, I met the requirements, I forgot and found out from 10 years ago, there was... <laughs> oh, my God. This is going to come up. Um, 10 years ago, there was the whole, like... 4chan craze over using blogger and google adsense to make videos and there was like a giant ring or not videos but make there's like a giant ring of people clicking on everyone else's ads Mm -hmm. based from 4chan so i made uh, i think i made a couple hundred dollars and got a perma ban from google adsense (laughs) like 10 years ago so (laughs) turns out I was not able to get monetized until I was talking to one of the other um, YouTubers in our in the server I'm in, mm-hmm. and they had sort of the same similar situation. Mm-hmm. Apparently, filing an appeal and having a channel that's ready and showing that you, you know, are ten years older and wiser, yes. they might be forgiving because they turned it back on for me. So I'm actually monetized now. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I didn't know about that, but, um... <laughs> mm. Ah, the mistakes of youth. Mm-hmm. I know someone... I just, just... Oh, sorry? I think I was just just 18. Oh. Uh, <laughs> one of the channels I was subscribed to, um, they're like, oh, how do I change the country on my Google AdSense account? Because I selected the wrong country, and then you, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, uh, that's why I like tr- double, triple, quadruple check every single thing I do that's important. Because mm-hmm. I know I'm bound to make some sort of basic mistake like that, and I don't trust myself. And then backing <laughs> up those credentials. Uh-huh. My next video, I actually, um, I put out a poll on youtube using the community Mm -hmm. chat stuff and overwhelmingly people recommended bitwarden like i I mentioned a a bunch of different password managers and then i said you know if you got something else leave in the comments yeah and i got like over i think 80 votes and overwhelmingly people were all about bitwarden yeah so i was like okay i should i'll check this out i liked it i'm like okay i need to do this and it back got backburnered and then i watched mental outlaws video about password managers and I'm like, I need to get on that. <laughs> so I mean, I got a whole video exposing like how I've had the same, you know, that same embarrassing high school email for like 10 years. And mm-hmm. I went to Have I Been Pwned and showed off like, this is why you need a password manager. And I showed like the litany of sites that my email has been exposed in mm-hmm. over the years. And so I'm. it's finally nice to have like, all those randomly generated passwords. It frees up a lot of brain space. It's like, I don't yeah. need to remember all no these password. passwords now. Or, it, or better yet, I don't need to remember one password I use for everything, unlike a lot of people do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You can still do that. You only need one password to use everything. It's just, it's not on every site. It's one password to get into your vault. Yep. And what I also really like is a lot of those... Um, two-factor authentication codes they give you, like the, the one-time download this backup codes. Mm-hmm. You could toss that in there. I got my credit cards in there. Not my debit cards, because I'm not 
that trusting, but because um, that way you can always just claim fraud. But mm -hmm. I got my credit cards in there, so I never need to go up like, oh, I need to get up and get my wallet for this purchase. Nah, Bitwarden. Mm -hmm. it's, it's great. I, I can't believe I hadn't done this sooner. And make sure you just have a password that's just basically uncrackable. Basically, you'd have to have a uh, a password leak to actually break the password. Because so I think mine, it's over 40 characters long. I don't know the exact number because that would be a... I'm not going to tell you the exact number because that would make it much easier to crack. I'll say it's over 40. <laughs> so it could be 1,000. It could be 41. You don't know. At that point, it's impossible to crack. And then the legion of script kitties decided to start using virtual servers to brute force your Bitwarden password. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could happen. Um, no, it's at, it's at the point where it would basically take to the heat death of the universe to crack it, so... Yeah, I that think whole description... That whole description should be like your your slogan of a video. <laughs> We're gonna make a password uncrackable until the heat death of the universe. I actually Hello, might do a video on password. Yeah, she. But I'm write that down. <laughs> I've been I've been doing some <laughs> stuff outside of Linux recently, just because it it's fun to try some stuff out. Plus, I've got this uh four years of education that I kind of want to put to good use. Yeah, um, you're almost done, right? Four weeks. What is the date? 16th? Yeah, four weeks. I'm actually... I think I have an assignment due the end of Sunday... November, Mid-November. I don't even know the exact date. Uh, Dang. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, making a less shit password. There we go. If you make that the video title, mm -hmm. I will personally send you money. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm going to send you something. Oh, this is probably going to break the recording. <laughs> uh, you guys probably can't see anything moving right now, so... That's uh, fine. This this is just how my notes look. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the other uh, higher level of it. If you go into those categories, <laughs> they all have, like, big lists inside of them. That's the uh, the the amount of sorting that I get done. Oh my gosh! So you know how how you and I are still probably two of the most popular uh, YouTubers in the VimWiki search tag. Yeah, I, I think I think I might be the most. Um, you are. You got the top ones, but it's like mostly it's you and me and a couple others yeah like, it's it's me in. at number one then you then got bletu i really like his channel um so for vimwiki users mm -hmm. using something like obsidian if you'd only use like the bare bones features of vimwiki that wiki syntax mm -hmm. pretty much you could just use vimwiki and point obsidian at it and be fine like it would be the exact same thing mm -hmm. the tag syntax is different like VimWiki tags is with a colon and that you just do colon tag colon tag and just a string of tags mm -hmm. but with obsidian it's you no know, hashtag tags yeah but for the the links and the backlinking feature where you can just do enter or backspace to go through and back and forth your links if you just wanted to see like a a, a graph a d3js graph of all of those interconnected links you could just open obsidian point oh. it at that directory nothing is bothered and 
see a graph of all of your wiki. Oh, I broke the camera. Uh, how do I change it back? That one. I I guess I'll have a look at it then. Maybe the person was onto something. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go as deep into it as you're doing, unless I get really <laughs> into it. Um, but hey, maybe maybe there's something there. But someone's probably gonna be like, a lot this, of people. "This is proprietary software. Why are you looking at this?" That's a comment I get a lot. So, oh, you're blurry. I know that there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know that there's a couple people that have talked to me about that. Um, let me try putting my camera again. Um, it should not come back on. So they. Ah, you saying things? The... Okay, there we go. Your audio cut out for a bit. Yeah. Oh, weird. Discord wasn't happy. So, there... is it ever? Electron yeah. applications. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I usually prefaced my uh, Obsidian video, my at least I think my first one, with it's proprietary, but in some cases, some cases, proprietary does make sense. Mm -hmm. Maybe not Microsoft-level proprietary, but when it comes to there's two developers trying to build a startup business, mm -hmm that might make sense to be proprietary maybe mm -hmm. in the beginning and the, the like one of the the devs uh, we have a, we just talked to them in the server and they're pretty active in there and so they were saying like right now being open source doesn't really make sense to them mm -hmm. for them in their current situation because if you're going to have people you know using your code looking at your code and modifying and pull requests commits and all all this stuff going on well then you don't just put it on GitHub and then people help. You put it on GitHub, you put out documentation, you have you know, uh, templates, you have to train people on your code base and then have more than two cooks in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And to do that is not currently worth their effort and time when the whole point is they're trying to get this off the ground and they're still in beta. Mm -hmm. So Obsidian's still in beta. And I mean, the, the pace of development is extremely rapid but that's because they only have two people doing it. And it's actually a couple. Mm -hmm. So in some cases I could probably see a good justification. It would be great ultimately if it, if it went open source when it's more stable, um, who knows, but at least like I, I was okay with that justification, at least in this instance. I think that a lot of people don't really take into consideration the fact that making your project open source and actually doing it properly is a lot more effort than it might seem. Obviously, yeah, if you're just writing random scripts, you're writing some random little application, making that open source, there's no reason not to do so. But if you actually want to build a code base that actually is functional and is, I guess, consistent and well-documented, you need to have that... Yeah, you need to have that little bit of documentation there. And I can see how that actually making that documentation would end up uh, taking away a lot of time from actually building the project properly. Plus, along with that, you also need to have someone who's going to actually be reviewing those pull requests to make sure that they actually fit into the style. Yes, you can automate a lot of that, but someone still needs to be there to actually making or making sure the automation is actually going properly. And It's just a lot of extra work that a lot of people aren't going to really consider because... You'll see a lot of people, especially in the Linux sphere, where it's just like, okay, this is free and open source software, or it's bad. And not really considering yeah. that 
that's not exactly how this um how this dichotomy works. Yes, there are bad proprietary solutions. If you're someone like Microsoft, even when they do open source stuff, they're really only doing it because it's actually financially beneficial for them. But if you're the case of someone like Microsoft, I can see why you wouldn't uh why you wouldn't want us to have um oh, sorry, if if you're looking at a company like Microsoft, I can see why you'd have a problem with them having proprietary solutions. But when it's just two people, if they think that's the uh, the best, uh, I guess, financially viable approach to making the software, sure. Because not every project out there, even if it's a ma- uh, an amazing project, can actually fund itself from just open source solutions, basically. So uh, basically donations and various other ways that open source projects fund themselves. Yeah. Every pull request is one more piece of bandwidth that takes away from your own active development of the mm-hmm. product. And as far as how they're structuring their business model, a lot of people are pretty happy with it and are even saying like, you know, you guys should charge us in this way because we want you to you know, continue development of this. We don't want this to die. So mm-hmm. we need to make sure that you are able to you know, survive with this project. Um, but as far as they're concerned, product's going to be free. Like you can download and use Obsidian mm-hmm. for free. The things that are going to cost is not like a pro version. No, it, the whole thing is free. The What costs money is really like the hosting and like publish features. Mm-hmm. Like basically like when you host a, your own website on GitHub, it's like that type, whole type of situation. So things that have server costs basically, mm-hmm. but then also, you know, the rest of that is money. And then also uh, I'm like a VIP supporter. So early releases and, you know, Discord flare, but really it's just anybody who gives a couple bucks can really be on the early release train and that's it. And that's all they're accepting right now. And the pace of development is insane. Like every week it's like new, amazing features actually meaty features not just oh we changed the ui to be 30 percent more opaque like nah well even if you do make it open source there are different ways you can handle it so for example you have the case of something like olive where olive um i don't know if have you come across that video editor before no i never heard of it uh it's a node-based video editor similar to something like premiere and this dude, he basically learned C++, made a video editor as his first project, and then a ton of YouTubers like, this is the best video, edit- a vi- best video editor ever made. And he was like, shit, I actually need to rewrite this code base because it's actually garbage. Um, also, that's an amazing first project if you're going to learn C++. Um, Seriously, holy shit, because I'm learning C++ right now, and the idea of that is insane. I don't know how long it took him to write version uh, 0.1, but yeah, that's because it gives you basically an array of everything you could possibly want to do in C++. So sure, that's a way to learn it, I guess. Um, Good God. But yeah, he had a bunch of people on YouTube coming across this editor because at the time, Caden Live was horrendously unstable. I say at the time... That's just time in itself. Um, <laughs> Caden Live is fucking garbage. Um, anyway, he's now writing version 0.2, but he was like, okay, 
I cannot accept pull requests at this point because this code base is garbage. I'm rewriting everything from the ground up. So even if you are doing an open source project, it's not like you have to actually um, accept help from people outside of it. But then you have the problem of if you're not going to do that and your, or, and your plan isn't to stay open and your plan isn't to stay open source, um, what value are you actually getting from it? Because in the case of something like Obs uh, Obsidian, obviously if they made that open source, someone could very easily go and fork the project and then go and do their own thing with it, which in the case of some projects, hey, that might be fine, but I can see why, especially on a team like yeah, that, <laughs> especially on a team like that, um, it might make sense to actually keep that to yourself, at least until it becomes something where you can make it more financially viable. Yeah. Can we make it out of beta first, please? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, the whole, uh, what you said about the guy rewriting his entire garbage code base in C++ reminded me of this really hilarious, I, you might, maybe you've heard of him, mm -hmm. Thomas Randall. No, I have not. So he's an Aussie too. Mm -hmm. He has exploded on YouTube because of his humor and his janky ass editing style on YouTube. But he writes C++ and he's like writing a game and I guess writing his own game engine at the same time. And every week it's just like, so we scrapped all the code base and we're going to start again. Like every time it's just like explosion, like animations. It's just fucking hilarious. Oh, I found his channel. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is actually beautiful. What I, I seriously recommend giving some of his videos a watch. Like, it's just, some of it is so cringe that it's just, you have to watch it. It's just so fucking funny. Help your boy keep the lights on is his uh, Patreon link. Beautiful. This you should check out his Twitch and his little, like, uh, image, you know, pill things for, like, his sections on Twitch. They're like... They look like a kindergartner rant, like wrote crayon on the wall. So he just doesn't care. Uh, oh, yep, I, I see it. That's <laughs> there's a certain level of um, uh, artistic merit to that. You know, it, it really makes me feel bad. Like when you try so hard to make your stuff look nice, your your thumbnails, your video editing, your scripts, and then somebody walks up and they like, like here's an image that looks like a. a the toddler threw a crayon at a wall and you got like 250,000 subs. Like, what the hell, man? He's got 31,000 followers on Twitch. Jeez, okay. Yeah, he, he made like a goal. Like in one month, he wanted to have a thousand live viewers and he, I think he did it. it was, what? Apparently he codes every day live. I just like writing his game engine live on Twitch and then uploads stuff to YouTube afterwards. So... Mm -hmm. Two birds, one stone, I guess. Sure, yeah, that'll work. Yeah, that's I think about doing that myself. That, yeah, well, you did that with the other C++ studying, so it makes sense. Was C++ you were streaming a few weeks back? Yeah, I didn't get a, as much studying done as I would like, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, the problem it, with doing it like that. Unless you do something, because I just get distracted by chat, so... Mm -hmm. um, I guess if I did something like uh, one of the other programming channels I really like, one of the early ones that I think she actually started the whole day in the life of a software engineer trend. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Mayuko. Mm-hmm. So I like watching her channel and on Twitch, she streams, but she does a Pomodoro timer. So she'll like work on 25 to 50 minute intervals and just completely not look at chat at all and just work. And people will you know, do their own work, but then they'll have the off intervals and they'll just interact. So. Okay, sure. So I'm like, unless I'm doing something like that, I'm probably not going to get a lot of great studying done. That's fair. Well, I'm thinking, like, I'm trying to think of what I want to do for streams, because I don't just want to do, um, you know, what 99% of Twitch does, just making absolute garbage. I'm just going to turn this game on and just play this game and not talk at all. It's like, that's not entertaining. No wonder you have five viewers. Um, yeah. I want to actually make it a show. So I'm thinking of just what I could actually do that would be entertaining. I'm thinking of one of the things I want to do is just do a stream while I'm making thumbnails. So then I could actually bounce ideas back and forth with whoever's watching. And if no one's watching, well, I guess I can just make thumbnails and try to do something. Yeah, my approach to Twitch, uh, I have like a low level type content that I'm doing more for practical reasons. And mm-hmm. then I have like what I really want to do for like a good quality show. Yeah. Um, I finally hit over 50 followers on Twitch just recently. Cause I, I made some obsidian content and I posted it in their server and like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm doing some, you know, Zettelkasten note taking live if you want to watch and people will come in, they'll ask me about my workflow, ask questions. It's engaging people and get involved. And then I actually have people in there. So that, it's like that, or I'm studying live mm-hmm. and that's mostly for like accountability. Like I need to study. So if I'm on stream and I'm slacking off and it's like, okay, you're not doing what people, you told people you're going to be here to do. Mm-hmm. So like, at least with like ADHD for accountability reasons, it actually helped me get some studying done and get some work done. But then people start talking to me and a lot of my, um, a lot of my subscribers, a lot of them actually write C++ and they'll like, they were giving me like advice and saying like, this is why you don't use backslash N for new lines. You use NL for C++ new line. Apparently there's a reason. So apparently so. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently a lot of the weird C++ things like NL versus backslash N, or instead of using a square bracket array syntax to pull out an indexed item, Mm -hmm. it's dot at as a function. And then you Mm -hmm. give the item is apparently because there's like extra error checking and it's just a more like thoroughly checked option. At least that's what people say. Mm-hmm. I'm a C++ noob, so I don't know what I'm talking about yet. Um, so just like having their advice and just you know useful or cool information in stream live was really helpful. Mm-hmm. What I really want to do is stuff like um, what I was doing in my and the other person's stream, where you just have like a coding game and you just write code and compare everyone's output and see who has a better solution and you know you do coding challenges but you can you know get some practice or Mm -hmm. you can see this person had a better solution what the hell did they do and why does it work that actually that would be fun like i i should program more than i do um i'm really lazy like i i'm at the point now where i'm like okay i if i do this for another year could i do this as like a thing or what's going to happen? I, I don't know. Because I'm basically paying half of my bills right now. I've actually bit over half my bills. Um, library coin, man. Yeah, when... I want I want dollar library coin. I want to make $5,000 a month. That'd be nice. 
I still can't get BitRx to work to give me my freaking library coins. <laughs> I'm just like, whatever at this point. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting for. I, I haven't sold any of it partially because I'm waiting for. I don't know if this is a thing in America, but in Australia, there's a. I think it's after you hold something for, or hold like a, a stock, or hold cryptocurrency for two years, they do. Um, Half capital gains tax? No, America wants your money. Okay. Well, yeah. In Australia, they do that. So if you hold it for long enough, basically you pay half capital gains. (laughs) Basically, it's... Actually, I don't know why they do it. I think it's because they want to mainly affect day traders. Mm. I don't know. Uh, That's just how we work. But I'm not selling anything for a while. So hopefully by the end of 2021... Maybe I could sell something because I've got like 200 KLBC sitting in a USB stick over here. That'd be nice to sell. Dang. That was a um, yeah, a gift they gave out to creators early on. Damn, I got my, my little 4K over here. I'm just been trying to like get out of Bitrex and I, I still can't. So I'm just I'm just gonna go over there in that, that corner and <laughs> lament about my life. Hey, maybe maybe it'll turn into four thousand dollars at some point. That's better than nothing. Fair. I still get a little bit of uh, bat from Brave every month, so that's nice. Do you have a uh, creator account set up for that? Mm-hmm. Okay. I got it on GitHub, YouTube, and I think Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah, I get I one of my longtime subscribers who's always in my streams. I made him a mod in my Discord server now, but um. He actually gave me like a donation on GitHub mm-hmm. uh, through the the bat donation link. Yeah, I it's pretty neat. I, I Brave is kind of a scummy company. They do very scummy things, but also if you want to donate to me through it, fine. I use Brave because it's a Chromium browser and it just works better than Firefox right now. I know that people don't like to hear that, but that's just how it is. And I get free internet money, so <clears throat> yeah. I was uh, in, so in California, the capital Sacramento. Mm-hmm. In Sacramento, there's a Slack channel for like the entire dev community uh, in Sacramento. And so in that community, there's like some people who actually work for Mozilla mm-hmm. and like some managers from Mozilla talking about how we just had to lay off this many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's... There's some stuff going on at Firefox. I yeah, I, I know they were doing some restructuring, as management likes to call it, uh, earlier in the year. Mm. Yeah, he was talking about whole teams getting cut. Mm. The only, I guess it's not even a Mozilla project at this point. The only ex Mozilla project they use at this point is Thunderbird, but that split off a couple years back. It was initially, I, I think, it was, yeah. Thunderbird is just a good email client. For a little while. Mm. I did use it for a little while. What do you actually use as an email client, or do you just use web-based solutions? Um, I was using uh, Luke's Neomut repo mm-hmm. for a while, and for just my personal Proton Mail, that was fine. Um, but now, I mean, I'm already on Mac. Mm-hmm. Why not take advantage of the ecosystem that everyone raves about, given that I already had an iPhone? So I'm using a lot of the Mac apps, 
but okay. I don't rely on them in a way that is like, I'm not putting it so much into them there. I'm invested where I cannot like, mm -hmm. painlessly move to something else. Um, well, yeah, you're doing email, all your note taking. Their... Are you doing your note taking and scheduling outside of it anyway? So it's not like you're all, like, all your stuff is just ingrained into that. My, my scheduling, like I, I do time blocking, uh, which for anybody who has watched anything of mine, um, I only made one video, so I don't I kill it to kill the topic to death about my ADHD and ADHD in general. Mm -hmm. But time blocking has been like the most effective thing I've ever found for myself for task management. So I really was deep into Task Warrior. I still really like it, but for what actually helped me get more work done, Task Warrior was a plus one. Time blocking was like a plus 100. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually doing that now in like iCalendar, but it's not like I have you know stuff I'm locked into. Like I might have some recurring events, but mm -hmm. eh, that's not painful to move over. And then once the day is over, it's gone. So I don't care about what's in the past. And I use uh, the, the reminders app to mm -hmm. literally annoy me to take my pill in the morning or to take my vitamins. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I don't really use it for anything. My notes, plain text, markdown files, Obsidian looks at them. Mm -hmm. I have them under GitHub version control. Yeah, I have them on iCloud for cloud storage, but really, I'm not really locked in for anything that I care about. Well, remind me to take my vitamins in the morning as they're like sitting right there. <laughs> so I like climb out of bed and they're in my face. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally have outsourced management of my life to some of these applications because I honestly need to mm -hmm. um, because otherwise it's like off you're putting all this stuff other like I have with my partner. It's like, okay, I can't have you be like a manager for my life. You got your own life to mm -hmm. deal with. So it's like, I'm trying to offload as much of this stuff to help me manage myself to applications that can just help me. Yeah. No, well, sadly is some people might be like, Oh no, I use Siri mm -hmm. a lot now because I found out I could just say, Hey, you know, voice assistant here because I don't want her to pop up. Um, hey, voice assistant. Hey, Siri. Uh, reminder. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Get, speak. No, I'm just waiting for people listening. <laughs> oh, just, hey, Siri, do you work for the FBI? Um, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think that just screwed up my audio. Oh. Uh. I don't know. Uh -oh. You sound fine. Can you hear me? <laughs> Did you break everything? Oh no! <laughs> Hello? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Okay, well... Okay, I think I finally fixed it. <laughs> oh, no, you did not fix Jeez. it. You sound really bad now. Oh, crap. Hmm. Okay, live feature fixing. Uh, did you switch your microphone? It sounds like it might be like a webcam mic. There it goes. Yeah, cool. Ah, uh, Discord, thank you for switching my mic. <laughs> Yeah, um, Discord sucks for that. 
It didn't break again, did it? You can't hear me, can you? I, I'm good now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was an adventure. Uh, I'm not cutting that, so that's enjoy that audio, listeners. Watch the video version yeah, to just find out what was going on. <laughs> oh my god, I don't even know what I was saying anymore. Yeah. Maybe I'll find a better solution than Discord at some point. I don't know what. I actually don't really mind uh, Discord stuff. Maybe I just should not talk to my voice assistant. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't do that. That's probably gonna... Alright, because you're on a... Right, you're on a Mac as well, so that's gonna break that. I forgot that's a thing on the desktop. Mm-hmm. Wait, so did both of them activate at the same time then? How does that uh, my phone and and the computer at the same time, but then the phone will says, "Oh wait, I got this," uh, and then the the laptop turns it off. But that screwed up my um, input output settings for audio <laughs> for some reason. And then you sounded like some like pixelated squealing cat. Oh, because that's how you sounded before when you switched to your webcam mic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we're back to normal now. So. Um... I guess I closed my notes at some point. There we go. Bring them back open. Uh, <laughs> where are we at? Podcast Brian notes. There we go. Yeah, that's that's based. God, these notes are terrible. Um, so basically, my notes tree for the podcast is I'll have my main section that has like all like a list of different like subsections of like. Uh, video ideas, video notes, things like that. There's a podcast section. Inside of the podcast section, we have uh, different sections for different guests. So we have a section in here called Brian Notes, and this is just a wall of dot points I can dig through. Should I do more sorting? <laughs> Probably, but... Is yeah. there a better way? There might Do be. I have the effort to implement it? <laughs> Maybe just loading it up in Obsidian would be a better way. Maybe. I don't know, we'll try it out. I like it. I, I've been like really diving into the whole note-taking world, which sounds like really like weird mm-hmm. of a thing to do and really kind of dumb at first. But I've been reading like actual books from PhDs on this topic. Like mm-hmm. I've been looking at this, and the whole typical way of people take notes is you listen to a lecture, you take a note. And you just basically progressive summarization. You just read it, you listen to it, and you just write what you read, write what you heard, but you don't actually process, understand, internalize, mm-hmm. reflect, and maybe implement space repetition on any of that material. And so it's basically your brain turned into into standard input, standard output. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, stream right through your ears. And what I really like about Obsidian is that it lets you implement a way of note-taking called either Zettelkasten or the implementation called Evergreen Notes. But really the whole point is that you're not taking 
notes on just what you hear, you're, you're reading something, you're processing some sort of content of any type or variety. And then by listening and reading and watching, you form your own unique ideas. Mm-hmm. What you take notes on is your ideas, your ideas. And so then you can like title each note as its own unique, you know, atomized idea. Like this note is um, using Obsidian is a great way of organizing networked thought. That might be the name of your file, the name of your note. Mm-hmm. And then you can link that note to other related idea notes because of either shared context or, hey, this is weirdly and in some obscure way related to that. And so then you have this network of weird ideas, knowledge, and connected thoughts. And now that becomes a creative partner. So now using Obsidian's graph features or just the backlinking features like you would in um, VimWiki, because you can do this in VimWiki just fine. You can actually say, okay, here's the, a thought. That's interesting. I want to write a paper about this. I want to write a Medium article about this. I want to make a video bullet point script about this, about how, what I want to go through in order. Let's traverse this you know, network graph of thoughts and mm-hmm. go down that avenue, back up, go down that one, keep going here, go there, and see how all these connections lead you to like new and novel ideas as you follow this pathway. And when you do like writing, it's I don't have to sit here, like for me, struggling in high school, I don't have to sit here and think about my thesis topic, my uh, structure, and then hold that in my head as I try to create the content, keep it cohesive, make it sound intelligible. And if I'm doing like a single sit down in class essay, good luck, I'd rather burn that paper than read it aloud. Mm-hmm. Um, but with using this type of system, it's like, all of the the ideas are fleshed out. You don't have to think of the ideas, they're there. Mm -hmm. And you can just follow them and how they're connected and then get inspiration to write, look at your ideas, okay, fill in the gaps between them, make them cohesive like a story. And this works for writing, it works for video. And like, that's how I use Obsidian is this like Zettelkasten approach to note-taking. If it's something more like technical, Mm -hmm. I'm taking, I'm learning C++. Well, how does this relate to that? In a way it could, you know, implementing certain things in C++ might give you ideas that you might be able to tie into other topics or other niche areas. Or you could just take another approach with like this app called RemNote, which is basically like a bullet point note-taking system with a lot of shiny features, but also has a built-in spaced repetition system to actually let you um, space out the knowledge. And this is the type of stuff that I've just been going ham on and making my video content about lately. Cause I'm, I'm like real, I'm neck deep in this stuff right now, but I don't want to get too far away from programming. Mm-hmm. I want to get more code t- topics out soon. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I might <clears throat> have a cursory glance at it, but yeah, it seems like if people want to dig deep into it, your channel might be a reasonable place to start because I, I imagine most people probably do note taking in the very, the very basic way and don't really think about how, you can, dif- I guess, approach it in different uh, different sorts of ways to get different sorts of, um, I guess, effects from it. Yeah, the, the PKM, or personal knowledge management space in YouTube right now is just exploding because mm-hmm. a lot of, like, Obsidian is uh, the, the new kid on the block, and then Rome Research was in really big and really exploded recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It, it like had it's kind of like Rome Research was the Apple of the market mm-hmm. because they like really um, price themselves highly. They have that like polished look, and they're trying to they're positioning themselves effectively mm-hmm. like the Apple in this space. Yeah, and now Obsidian's walking in, and it's basically like 
the Linux of the space because it's like, hey, we're free and we can do a lot of cool shit. Mm. So um, a lot of people and a lot of the topics, a lot of this stuff is really gaining popularity now. So even some of the like the larger mainstream YouTubers, million plus subs are beginning to talk about the same topics that uh, I've been talking about lately. Mm. And so it's it's been a good wave to ride recently. Hmm. It does definitely seem like a really cool tool. So I'll have to explore it, I guess. Oh yeah, it does <laughs> even seem even if you don't. No, I'm looking at some of the features right now. It seems to be very similar to the way that at least on the way that you actually write the uh the documents themselves, very similar to the way that um Vimwiki works. So I can see why that would just be pretty convertible. And anything yeah. that's not, you can um, just always um, search and replace and just switch over to the new format. And if you want to help the developers, some people are making plugins, and you could just make a plugin that converts from VimWiki syntax to whatever Obsidian uses. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So, yeah, here we go. Pricing. So it's personal, 100% free for personal use, no account or sign-up required. That's something that's been really big for me. People are keep suggesting, oh, try out this note-taking app, try out this one, and I load it up, and it's like, sign into an account. Like, I'm not doing that. I, I refuse to sign into an account to do a note, to do note-taking. Go away. 10-minute email. Mm-hmm. Infinity. I refuse to give my email to anybody after seeing how many times I've been pwned with my old email address. But, like, I don't, why do, like, why do I need an internet connection to take notes? Like, that, that's dumb. Go away. If it, that's here's uh, sorry, uh, if you were considering making it, uh, if you either run a company that makes a note taking app, or you were considering making a note taking app, do not have an account sign up. I get why you want to do it to like, I don't know, make sure people are not pirating your application. Just give them a key. That's all you need. If you want make people to pay for it, give them a, a account key or something like that. That's that's everything. That's that's all you need to do. No accounts. I'm not. Just let me take notes if I'm in like the middle of the woods. That's all I want. That's all I want from you. Verbatim. That was my exact point about why I said I chose Obsidian <laughs> over Rome. Because mm-hmm. Rome is an account paid SaaS app. Yeah. Obsidian, you can look at your local files. Doesn't need an electron an internet connection. Yeah. And I could literally write notes up at my family's cabin in the forest. Mm-hmm. And I said that in the video. Because I think, I think way, way back when I first was doing videos on VimWiki and stuff like that, um, a couple of note-taking app companies, they came to me. I think... Do I still have the emails? That's, I wonder. Um, I, want, I know I didn't delete all of the early emails. Let's find out. Uh... So it's been long enough. I'll just throw them under the bus now. <laughs> uh, no, I think I deleted it. I think it might have been Turtle Note or Red Note or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was. It was one of the open source solutions, but they required an account to use it. So <laughs> why? And that was after I did my video on VimWiki. I was like, I have VimWiki right here. Why would I use you? Next email you're going to get is, hey, Brody, would you like to be sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends? Uh, look, I've said it before. I will take the Raid money. 
<laughs> Actually, no. The the one that people are getting money from right now is AFK Arena. That's that's the big one right now. Yeah, uh, I'm still too small for that stuff. I well, the biggest one I ever got was a uh, email from Vivaldi saying, "Hey, we liked your Vivaldi video. You know the one that I titled." Um, uh, Vivaldi explains what uh why they make proprietary garbage or something like that. <laughs> I think that's actually what the title was. Uh, let's find it. Freddy Robertson, Vivaldi. Uh, yeah, it, it, Vivaldi explains why they make proprietary garbage. Um, it was a video going over there, like, why they license their application the way they do. And I got a message from there. Um, I, I had to check it because I was like, this can't be the actual marketing manager of Vivaldi. Surely you didn't, like, sure you you read the title. Like, it was a positive video, but that title... Just like that. Anyway, I hey, got the click. It got the click. Yeah, I so I basically searched for their email. It came up on the Vivaldi website. I was like, okay, this is actually the marketing manager. And she was like, okay, uh, we liked your video. We want to send you a um, like a a gift basket of Vivaldi merch or something. It still hasn't shown up. <laughs> I don't know if it'll ever show up. Um, but after that, I they keep every so often they get a, they launch a new feature, and I get another message from their manager. Uh, be like, hey, here's this new feature we have. Do you, uh, there's an NDA on it until this point. Do you want to test it out early? Because um, I've got like a an arcade game or something built into the browser now. Mm. Uh, and I noticed that uh, OMG Ubuntu did a video on the same thing, so I'm, or an article on the same thing, so I'm guessing they got a similar email. Uh, but no, I don't want to talk about your arcade game built into your web browser. That's a dumb feature. Get rid of it. I bet your uh, gift basket accidentally got sent to Luke instead. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. You're like, what the hell is this? Like, what is this crap on my front porch? <laughs> I think there was going to be some, like, Rivaldi stickers in there or something. One of my mates was like, yeah, I'll take the stickers. So I, I, I'm not putting stickers on stuff. If I do that, once again, my Discord will bully me. Ha <laughs> Oh, yeah. You could always just be like the people that buy like a MacBook for several thousand dollars and then just put a bunch of freaking stickers on it. I know a guy who does that. I've brought him onto the show before. It, the entire I... back is stickers. Mm. I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, I'll put a skin on it because mm. it's removable easily. Yeah. Especially with dbrand, but like... dbrand uh, hit me up. It's painful. If you... D-Brand, I like D-Brand. D-Brand, if you want to sponsor me for your stickers, I'll take your stickers. Your, your stickers are good. <laughs> do, you make a, do you make a sticker for the uh, Realme 5? If you do, I'll take that. <laughs> I got this nice matte black one for uh, the MacBook. It's really yeah. nice. That sounds I'm nice. Go for this whole matte black everything theme. Yeah. Yeah, I'm bad with color, color scheming. My desktop on my like is probably the the best thing I've done for color scheme because everything else is just like I just buy whatever's cheapest. <laughs> you got the lamp. Yeah, I got the lamp in case you haven't seen that video. <laughs> oh, oh. There we go. Yeah, that that lamp I've actually had for quite a while. Um, I used to use it to just general 
uh, lighting up the back of my scene. It was sitting on like a shelf over there. Um, okay, show it. it. Okay. So we've got like a, a cabinet there. You probably can't see it very well. You can see it well enough. Um, I, I'd lift out one of the drawers and I'd put a light on there to light up my back wall. Now I'm using the same lamp with a different globe and just, yeah, <laughs> works well enough. Well, if you notice, I'm no longer in my kitchen. You are no longer in your kitchen, but you were also like fluorescent earlier. Yes. Uh, we actually moved everything around in our house, so we actually cleaned out a whole bedroom, and now we've got a dedicated office, since looks like, until further notice, America is currently uh, Umbrella City. Mm -hmm. So we just have this office now, and my green screen fits, my desk fits, so now I'm in here. Now I finally don't have to have my dirty dishes in the background or have to worry about having my green screen up every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, what actually made you, I, I know you do the, uh, like, the intro at the start with the green screen. What actually made you want to do an intro like that? Because mm. with my stuff, a lot of people, like, the intro sort of makes the content drag on longer than it really should. So I, that's why I basically just cut that and then instantly jump into what I'm talking about. And my, I think my last one or two videos, I just started doing that myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the originally it was, you know, I saw some advice, tried it out, mm -hmm. wasn't didn't seem like it was hurting, and then it was also green screened because my kitchen in yeah. the background. But now it's uh, I just play my intro and then go right in. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's sort of the trend that <clears throat> a lot of people on YouTube are taking because back when I started people were still doing, like, intro like intro sequences, I guess, but that's sort of been dying out over the past year or so. Even, like, a lot of really big channels at this point don't really do intro sequences anymore. If you just look at the retention rate for videos, like, you got the, only the first, maybe, if you're lucky, two minutes mm -hmm. to really, like, get to the point, why am I here? Okay, yeah, this is worth staying for. And so, you don't got the time to waste. Even on the podcast, I have a retention rate of like five minutes. It's a two and a half hour podcast. Yeah. Uh, but you... My... Hmm? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, um, I'll bring up the stats and show you, but go on what you're saying. Like, the, the video I have that's done the best so far is I made a... Uh, a video on my Obsidian workflow. Comprehensive. Everything that I do for every type of content processing, research papers, videos, podcasts, um, articles, everything. And showed like all, all the, the programs, apps, my actual like step-by-step -step process. And I got like, a, the watch time on that is like eight, right? no. It got up to, I think 13 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it has, it had like uh, a couple, I think it might have almost a couple thousand views now. Yeah. But, that's probably like the best performing thing I've ever had. Uh, where is <clears throat> where is watch time showed in the statistics? Oh, okay, that video is too new. Uh, let's go to the last. We'll go to this podcast. Uh, look at number twelve. Good look at number twelve. Yes. Uh, yeah. Here we go. 
And is that going to work? Yes. Okay. There we go. Place that over there. And. Oh. Oh. There we go. So this is sort of what my um, retention rate looks like on the podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... <clears throat> but weirdly, you'll notice there are a couple of people who actually do watch really, really far into it. Who are you people? I know. I've got Can a... you come to my channel? I've got a, a mate who uh, actually listens to the podcast like while he's running. I don't know why. There's better podcasts out there. But I was reading this article. I think it was. Or maybe it was a video I was listening to about how running a podcast is a really, really smart way of building an audience around your stuff mm -hmm. because it's more accessible in a lot of ways because you don't have to have any, there's no visual part of it. It's just, it's just audio. Mm -hmm. So you could literally do any, anything else. And so like the attention requirement for podcast consumption is vastly lower than video consumption because you're taking up a whole other sense. And so I primarily only listen to podcasts, like usually when I'm driving, but now if I got, I'm trying to take notes on them. I actually, you know, I'm usually sit down somewhere, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, I can totally understand why right while running. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've done the same thing. Yeah. I, I usually listen to podcasts while I'm driving. Here we go. Here's my, um, the analytics for my podcast. Ignore the fact that there's a massive dip with the, uh, right at the, the front. That's just how anchor does its weird statistics. That's just cause the uh, latest video or latest, recording just came out but this has been taking off pretty quickly actually so i'm not i'm like kind of advertising it a little bit but there's like a noticeable growth curve that's been happening recently and i have no idea why this is happening like the video podcast is growing about as quickly as it's done forever but this is starting to actually pick up momentum so i don't know what's going on here but it's cool to see Hey, you're finally starting to convert the YouTube audience to podcast listening. Maybe, or maybe I'm just picking up just general podcast listeners. I don't actually know. And what site is that on that you're hosting? Uh, Anchor.fm. It's a service that, uh, it's one of Spotify's services. They'll basically hmm. handle all of the, um, basically getting you onto things like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and all of that. The problem with Apple Podcasts Apple, if you're listening, is that you need <laughs> to have a uh, iTunes account that has made a purchase in the past six months. Why? <laughs> Why do I need that? Why? That's dumb. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, doing it through this is just easier. Here we go. Total plays. 1,100 1, plays. Estimated audience size, 30 people, which is... The way they do that number is basically your average viewers per episode, which is actually pretty good for this, I would say. The only yeah. problem you have with a podcast is they're very, very difficult to monetize. Yeah, unless you got, like, a big audience to do mm -hmm. product placement, like, 
<laughs> Joe Rogan. Like it would be awesome to be able to do product placement on the podcast, but yeah, that, that's the big problem with it. Because like, there's, you can do other sorts of advertisements. Like uh, Spotify has an advertising system that they're working on, but it's nothing like that exists on like a centralized solution. Because podcasts are a natively decentralized setup. Because basically, you just pull from an RSS feed and watch it anyway you don't even have like the only thing you can really count is downloads and you don't know that a download is actually a listen it's true i personally get all of my stuff from rss mm. <laughs> yeah that's how i do all of my news and all of my uh i don't actually go to reddit i have rss feeds for the subreddits i care about because i know that same that's one of the things i know that i'll get really distracted with I probably should do yeah, the same with this... Twitter. Yeah, I had I had Twitter feeds working in um, Newsboat, and then I think they stopped working because I think Twitter mm. changed their API. <sighs> okay. Or, or either they mm. did that, or maybe I just had too many feeds because I had like all my all my YouTube subscriptions, mm -hmm. and I would just open them up with uh, MPV. But I had over like three hundred feeds of various types and it would actually crash as it was updating all of them so i think i just overworked it but mm -hmm. um i think twitter might have actually changed their api because i wasn't able to get any more rss feeds from them it was nice for a while yeah that, there might be a way to do it still but i don't actually know speaking of things that broke um you know the script you had a while back for showing your subscriber count in your polybar or i3 whatever you're using yeah that broke sadly because they changed the api yeah. yep and i just haven't um, bothered I, to fix it i think i was just pulling the yeah i was just curling some yeah like some, like one of our pages like your personal page but i think um I was able to just to get it from Social Blade or something mm -hmm. after that. Okay. I don't know. I can look into that. Oh, yeah, it's not a big deal now because now that I'm past 10k, it actually doesn't update ex until you get past every 100 <laughs> subs. Because YouTube decided, we just don't want to show proper sub counts anymore. <laughs> like, it shows we want it on, to reduce... Like, it shows it on the, like, the Creator Studio, but... You can't see it outside of that. We didn't want to use unsigned integers anymore. So now we are only using, you know, <laughs> we're only using 8-bit integers now. Uh, that actually leads me into a hilarious thing that's happened. Actually, as of yesterday, um, I have started a crusade against one of my lecturers. So, okay, we had we had a uh, a big data assignment. So we're working with Hadoop and all of that nonsense, and we're doing it through uh, Python because we're lazy and we don't want to write Java. Anyway, um, basically the assignment that we or the the specific prac that we had to do was we had a list of user data. And it was, it doesn't matter what the user data was, um, but it was basically a list of user data that had ages, it had genders, and a couple of other details about a user. So the specific task we had to do was find the count of males, females, and also the average age of 
both of the users, but because it's you're you're assuming you're working with big data, so you have to do it in a very like big data y way doing it through Hadoop. It's not as just as easy as, you know, just running over it. Um But he wanted the mean to be calculated in this really bizarre way. I'll see if I can find the formula. Um but mean is you know, total divided by count, as any normal person would understand. Um, I'm going to show you the formula that he wanted us to use. Here we go. Ah, oh, someone's responded to this. Cool. And this is what the formula looks like that he wanted us to use. Because he wanted it to be a, um, basically updated every single time that he actually, or that we updated the value, rather than actually maintaining a total and then calculating the mean at the end, he wanted the mean to actually be maintained the entire time. Which, obviously, is not correct. Um... So, for any, actually, I don't have it on the screen. So, the, the formula he wants us to use is mean times by count inside of brackets plus the item inside of brackets divided by, and then two sets of brackets again, count plus one, which is stupid. And basically, all of the programmers called him out on this, like, you have no idea what you're talking about. This is, this is dumb. And he was like, oh, but you don't know how big the total's going to get. So... It's probably better to calculate the mean. Here's the problem, though. Python has unbounded integers. Do you know how big a 256-byte integer is? It's enough to count the number of atoms in the universe multiple times over. I think we'll be fine counting the number of... Counting people's ages. So, he decided that... um, He's going to mark everyone who did mean correctly as having done the question wrong, and I'm collecting a list of all the students who are like this, and basically we're going to go up to his boss and say, hey, we need to get this remarked. Because he just refuses to <laughs> mark this properly. And uh, one of my mates, he actually has a, a dev job. He spoke to some of the senior, engine- uh, senior engineers at the job, and they were all just like, this guy shouldn't be marking programming assignments. He doesn't know what he's doing. I thought this was going to go a whole different direction. Like he wanted to do something like a grand mean formula, which is still somewhat valid. Mm -hmm. Like I thought this was going somewhere completely different. That's ridiculous. Uh, Looks like my day job. (laughs) Unironically. Wow. I, I, that's yeah. I, I dropped a statistics class because the professor treated the entire classroom of adults of varying ages from who knows how old to, you know, brand new out of high school as like kindergartners. Mm -hmm. And so like when half the class drops and writes a letter to the Dean of your department, (laughs) you done fucked up Mm -hmm. this guy. I'd really like to see how this turns out. Cause what the hell is that formula? Yeah. I'll put it in the comments, uh, not comments, the description down below. So if you want to look at it for yourself, I'll let you see it. If I remember, I'll write a note because I, I forget to do stuff like this. Uh, put mean formula in description. Uh, it'll be on the description on the audio version as well if 
if you look at those. Yeah, so basically we uh, we talked to him and he was like, oh, well, I can't do anything about fixing this. You have to go take it up with the course coordinator. So, okay then, we'll take it up with you, boss. That's fine by me. I wouldn't care if I was the only one who got marked wrong for this. My problem is when you start, like, marking all of my friends wrong with this as well. If it was just me, I don't care, I'll just let it go by. But all of my friends in the class got marked wrong on this, so... No. I just... Don't do that. I, I can't stop... I can't stop looking at it. Because <laughs> <laughs> even, even when... I'm still okay. I got a the lot point to is, study about it, statistics. It does work. The formula does work. It will give you the correct value. However, it's horrendously slow. <laughs> I, I don't even understand how. Basically, what he's doing is he's merging the increase of the count and also the increase of the total and the mean calculation all into one formula. Yeah. It's it's really dumb. <laughs> okay, I'll file that under frustrated rem memories. Uh, and we have a um, we have a reply on my forum post. Uh, the formula mean all of that nonsense is the correct update formula for storing count and mean. However, when used for a large number of data records, leads to inaccuracy and slowness due to repeated floating point operations. But using sum plus age, uh oh no. This actually, this person's agreeing with me. Okay, he's saying, yeah, it will work, but it's also horrendously slow. Yes. Yes, it is. But this, the worst thing about this is this guy actually, he's not just a professor who, you know, works in, um, what's the word? Works in academia and doesn't do anything else. He has a job doing big data work for hospitals. So he actually should know what he's doing. Unless he's doing this so, on production systems. When I said this sounded like my day job, mm -hmm. I, I work with healthcare data. <laughs> um. Hmm. <laughs> oh. The irony is palpable. Hmm. Yeah, that big O notation is probably uh, a fucking big O notation. <laughs> Design me an algorithm from scratch that you'll just use from a standard library so you can get a job writing print hello world. Hey, write me a linked list. Like, no, go away. Yeah, I had a course <laughs> called Data Structures, which was just write me data structures. I think we had a list an assignment that was like, ah, oh, make a tree and then like do uh right hand what is it, right hand search and left hand search, whatever the searches are called or something. And there's another one is like, make a linked list and make a stack and all of that stuff. But if we're doing this in Riveting. Java, can't I just use the standard classes? No, you must build the world from scratch. Mm -hmm. That was the point. And then you can say hello. Before that point, I was always like, oh, it's, I kind of want to be building everything from scratch. I'm not a big fan of using libraries. After I did that course, like, no, no, I'm not doing that. It's not like making a linked list is hard, but I don't want to do it. Import C standard library. <laughs> I'm just using Java. Let me use Java. 
Don't let me, don't don't make me use Java, but if I have to, then let me use Java properly. That's there's the point. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you okay, if you're gonna force me to use the JVM, at least let me use Kotlin. I'll be happy with that. It's actually on my to-do list to learn Python better because mm. I had actually had a really good and friendly time with it when I was just writing a that you know you get randomly inspired to just make a project and then you want to do it in a language. This is like my first real project in Python. I just wanted to get like, hey, use a couple libraries or modules, whatever you call it, and send me an itemized list and then an aggregate total of all of my current financial investments using you know count of shares and ticker symbols. Mm-hmm. And it works great. And now I can just send the standard output to a text file, grep the grand total, and I can see the progress over time. And you know what? It still works. Mm-hmm. And that was a really cool like project. And I really liked writing in it. Though... White space for indentation or indentation mattering and use, having to use spaces as the preferred standard. Uh. My suggestion with um, spaces is use a good editor that converts tabs to spaces automatically. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm reduced to. And I, I think that like the standard is like two or is it four? I think it might be two spaces in it. I think two. Uh. But if you use something like um, PyCharm, it just does it automatically. Well, that's what I was going to use. Is? Oh, it's raining. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Is our studio its own thing, or is it actually based on the JetBrains suite? Because I know that Android Studio is actually just, like, basically a skin over um, the Java one. Completely their own thing. Okay. Because it looked sort of familiar, but I wasn't actually sure. And they just did uh, another really big update recently that's really awesome. They have like a, an R Markdown visual editor. They have a command palette, a file launcher. Like, it's, I think it's because they moved to Electron. A lot of the Electron apps, like, like Obsidian, a lot of the features are basically exactly what is happening over there. Mm-hmm. But now it's in our studio. So That's cool. Yeah. It's a really cool editor. I mean, if I'm going to write R code, I'm going to use R Studio. It's it's actually really a really great IDE. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as much as I love Vim, there's times when it makes sense to use an IDE. Like I know some people aren't happy with that, but there are times. Like for example, if you're going to be doing say data analytics in Python, use something like Jupyter. If you're going to be doing it in R. R Studio seems like a good choice. There may be better choices. I actually don't know what exists around R, but that seems like a good choice. Yeah, the main options for R is really just R Studio, Emacs speak statistics, or I think yeah, you can use Jupyter, mm-hmm. but I think most people really just stick with uh, R Studio because mm-hmm. it's so specially geared for it. Yeah, and like I've written my own. And I have my own like published package for R, just like their version of libraries. And the whole development process in R is so heavily automated because again, R is a language for like academics, statistics, and less for people who are hardcore programmers. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the tooling is made in a way to help get a lot of the traditional programmer stuff out of the way of package developers who are really just trying to get like, hey, I developed a new statistical method to do this thing over this specific type of data in this niche topic of my you know, PhD program or whatever. 
So I want to get this out there and available. The whole process of doing that is so heavily automated that it's just a dream to do mm. development in there. That's good. Um, it seems like a cool tool. So it's, it, I think the problem that... Okay, this is the problem that sort of happens with my university right now. They're putting a lot of emphasis on the uh, the PhD side, which is sort of taking away from the programming side. So it's sort of like my degree is becoming less valuable every year, or at least every time they change the courses around, because they are trying to focus more on those automated tools, which is perfectly fine. I I perfectly respect anyone who wants to use those if they are going to be going into research and they are, you know, coming from a, a maths background, for example, and as you said, have some really big brain approach to doing some sort of statistics. <laughs> I don't know where to begin with that. So it makes sense that you develop languages for those sorts of people because it's all like, yeah, you could you could write it in Java. You could, but do you want to? Should you? Yeah. Or you could write it in C. Yeah, it's going to be really fast, but... How long is it going to take you to work out how to do that, especially if you aren't coming from a programming background? Fun story. Mm. If you are a programmer and you want to run something fast in R because R is single-threaded, they actually have a really amazing interface with C and C++ to write functions that are compiled and actually will take R objects and return R data objects mm. and then do all of your operations on them at the same speed as a systems language and return it back to R for whatever reason. That's cool. Now, one I call, I posted this on Twitter, and I'm, I'm kind of sad that it didn't go as viral as I hoped, but R is like, if you've ever watched Star Trek, mm -hmm. R is the Borg of programming languages. Like, it interfaces so well with so many other things. They're basically the Borg. I've never watched Star Trek, but I'm, I at least know what the Borg is. Yeah, like anything. It'll work with anything. So it's like, yeah, you could write a web server or mm -hmm. develop your own website or send emails and tweets with R, but mm -hmm. should you? It's like best tool for the for the job, but R can do a lot. So mm. it's not just for statistics. Even though that's sort of basically where it's got its monopoly. Yeah, hardcore. Like Python is definitely holding its own and is growing, especially like when it comes to scalability. But for specificity, yeah, R is unmatched. Well, Python more has its its foothold in the machine learning side. And because R is the Borg, mm -hmm. they have a great package called Reticulate to take anything and run arbitrary Python code in R Markdown, pass <laughs> it to R, because they do they use data frames just like pandas. Mm -hmm. So you know, <laughs> the Borg. I know that, I think it was, what's, Swift, that one. I keep, every time I think of Swift, I always think of Swing, which is not the same thing at all. Swing is the really bad Java GUI library. Um, <clears throat> Swift is the, uh, the Apple language. Yeah. But I know that, <clears throat> I know that, <clears throat> oh God. Try that again, when I'm not dying. Um, I know Swift was sort of picking up steam inside of the machine learning space. The problem is there's so... Yeah, it's... I, it the sort of happened after TensorFlow started uh, adding support for it. Um, 
it's it's a basically a spec when you compare it to something like Python, but just because of how much existing library support there is, but I guess there's a lot of people who don't like uh, the way Python works or something. I I don't do uh, Python at a machine learning level, so I don't know really what the problem actually would be there. But some people seem to be actually pushing for that change to happen, which, hey, I don't know. If if that's what you want to do, that's cool. But I don't know. It, it's always nice to have competition between these languages. Yeah, I definitely want to do more with Python. Mm -hmm. uh, I think my I, I'm actually really enjoying C++ right now. So we'll Why? see how long that lasts. Because I never really had a reason to get this far into systems level programming. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm here, I'm finding it very fascinating. Would I want to build everything in C++? Mm -hmm. Hell to the hell no. <laughs> um, but I do find it like helpful and interesting to learn things at that level. And yep. then I do definitely want to do more with Python because of how general it is. But uh, I also need to, I just need to make more actual code content because I really want to keep doing a lot of this note-taking productivity type stuff, but I don't want to get away from what I really started the channel for, which is more actual hardcore tech stuff. How many videos are a week are you doing right now? Usually one. One, okay. And then I do let some of my live streams uh, post onto YouTube. Mm -hmm. If they're like, if I think they're good enough to leave there, mm -hmm. um, but not all of them. I think I maybe only have like three or four of them actually still unlisted or listed. Yeah, we have the uh, Zettel, Zettel casting some evergreen notes in Obsidian VOD. Uh, okay, that's not a VOD. It's just an hour long video. Uh, <laughs> we have a spelling mistake in learning C++ for school. Mm, apparently I need to go back to school for spelling. My spelling has always been horrible. Yeah, I, I'm pretty bad with it. Anything that doesn't have a spell checker in it, I'm just like, I don't know, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> yeah, you don't have many. Oh, there's a four hour one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a, yeah, it's a VOD. You're really Not bad with your, your VOD uh, thumbnails, though. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't put any effort into much of any of these. Oh, you put effort into the first one and then no effort into the ones after that. <laughs> Uh, which ones are you seeing? Oh, you're seeing... Oh, yeah, it's just all the Obsidian ones and then C++. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you do really long videos, wow. At least now. Yeah, these ones... Uh... Oh, you mean like my general content? Yeah. Yeah, I just got a lot to say about stuff. That's why I do timestamps. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I can definitely see the timestamps being valuable in your case. I think it's my, um, yeah, my comprehensive workflow in Obsidian. The I think it's my second most recent video I published. The the pinned comment with the timestamps, I got the most amazing comment on it that I just really enjoyed because um, I'm using my Final Cut Pro workflow <laughs> mm -hmm. on. Um, on that video. And so I have a crap load of timestamps. And the first comment was, uh, the timestamping game is strong. 
Very oh, nice. Jesus for that. Christ. <laughs> Why are there so many timestamps? Hey, people like it, and I got no comments about it, and I have the highest watch time on this video of any other, and I see it as, you know, it's a long-ass video. Yeah. And is somebody going to watch it end-to-end? -end? Unless they have a very motivated and purposeful reason to, probably not. So I give a lot of copious detail, and I posted this in places where people who would look at this would be interested in it, mm -hmm. and they can go exactly to what they find interesting. Yeah. Um, so that and I can also just say, hey, at this time, this, is the, this answers that question you have for me in, this, um, in the forum. Mm -hmm. So I do that a lot with my videos, too, is that I make a lot of very long but more comprehensive videos and provide a lot of extra detail. Mm -hmm. So like when people ask me questions, I'm like, see this time in the video. Yeah. And I can just not have to do FAQ all the time. That's fair. Yeah, I can see that. That, that makes sense. You also have a really good, um, not a, not like dislike ratio. You have a fucking perfect like to dislike ratio right now for someone. How does that even happen? How is there not a single dislike on your recent videos? I uh, don't know. But now somebody's going to go do it just because you said that. Yeah. But you actually have a really high um, interaction rate as well. So generally it's difficult to get towards... If you can get 10% interactions, that's a really, really good uh, rate. Recently I've been getting about 11 or 12 or so, which is, I don't know how that happened. Um, but 10% is where a a healthy channel should be at. And it seems like you're roughly at that point. At least for some of them. The RStudio crash course is a bit lower. Um, yeah, that one, um, that one actually got a lot of popularity, not from YouTube at all. I posted that on... Um, I want to say Twitter. Twitter, it exploded on Twitter. Um, one of the the accounts there, the guy actually popped into my live stream as well and was actually the first person who's ever like gave me a super chat. Mm -hmm. But he runs like academic chatter on Twitter and it's got like over 200 or some, it's got like a, at least six figure uh, following mm -hmm. and like pinned that video post to their, the top of their um their account. Wow. And okay. it just got passed around a lot too by people in R. R is a very supportive community. So like I posted that video and I got a most retweets ever mm -hmm. on that that post. So it primarily all that traffic was from Twitter. And that is like for until my Obsidian workflow video, that was the most popular video like ever. Not in like aggregate views, but like that was the thing that it has done the best on my channel until my workflow video. Well, yeah, I'm looking at your um, most popular videos right now, and it's all the old stuff. Yep, VimWiki. My Top YouTube one. DL video, surprisingly, too. <laughs> this thumbnail for your semi-complete VimWiki workflow is just, there's no effort here. The second one, hey, there's at least like a, a Wikipedia logo with VimWiki above it. Wow. High effort. Profound. <laughs> high effort program. Uh, high effort uh, development. Yeah, I am trying to do better. We have the FCF one here, where it's just like. <laughs> and it's weird how it's the older stuff that does the best. Okay, look, we'll 
to be fair, let's go back to my channel. Let's go. Let's go find some stuff on here. Let's go. Don't don't play that. Um, let's go sort by most popular. Okay, mine are not not terrible. But let's scroll down a bit. Let's see if we can find something bad. Uh, here we go. Oh lord. Oh lord. Okay. Oh no. The shed videos make their ugly appearance. No, not the shed. This is at my old place, <laughs> but I love the shed. The shed is the shed is beautiful. Um, here we go. Here's one. <laughs> and just there's so much going on i know it's it's terrible uh and click just look at what's going on with my hair in this video though the hair is too long the beard is a fucking mess i oh. still like how you refer to uh st as lit yeah i was that was, I was trying to be funny with the memes, but it doesn't work. This is why I don't do meme thumbnails. Um, actually, I think my favorite video that still gets people leaving hate comments on it is this one. Oh, God. Why is my lighting so bad? Is this one right here that I did on April Fool's Day? Am I even showing this on the screen? Yes, I am. <laughs> I that is actually my favorite thumbnail. Uh, did you draw that yourself? No, I found that on. Uh, if you look up, I think if you look up the bee's knees on Google, you'll find it. Oh jeez. Let's see if we can do that. The bee's knees. There's a um a couple of these drawing games that exist. Uh here we go. So this is from Drawception. Um, yeah. If you just look up. The bees' knees on Google. You'll find a lot of terrifying pictures of bees with knees. I think I'll probably stay out of that corner of the internet. Who knows where that rabbit hole leads? <laughs> Here is the uh, the second option I was going to go with, but the feet were cut off. <laughs> this actually kind of reminds me of the Chad meme. <laughs> Chad B. So, and yeah. then the internet provided rule 34. <laughs> I have plenty of my own terrible thumbnails as well. Um, yeah, for the people who weren't around at the start, the shed. Actually, when did you find my channel? Mm, I think uh, right when Luke recommended your channel. Okay, so uh, December or so. Because I actually knew about your channel before, I think. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I think you should have been recommended. Like Sorry? Now, when I look at my... Uh, I think I started last October. Mm -hmm. And um, if I look at my... Your users also watch these people. It's like all you, Luke, and DT. Mm -hmm. Yep. I also Still. have a mental outlaw on that list as well. I haven't graduated to that level yet. I'm actually really liking a lot of his videos lately. I actually haven't watched any of his videos. <laughs> he was messing around with the the leak of Windows XP, which has been really interesting to watch. People kept saying, hey, you should cover this. I'm like, nope, not happening. Because there was um, a dude who had his uh, channel 
basically DMCA'd into the ground the second he uploaded a video on it. I'm like, nope, not happening. He, mental outlaw can do it. That's fine. And people are like, oh, you, you're a bitch. Why are you not doing that? Like, I'm not destroying my channel just to cover something that'll get me like 3,000 views. Yeah, it's not worth it. Like, sure, if if he wants to do it, it's his channel. That's fine. But he can take that risk himself. But I don't really have anything I could say about it that would be that interesting in the first place. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, if you want, oh, if you want to do it, it's cool. But also, uh, keep in mind that if you are doing a video on that, you are opening yourself up to a lawsuit. So don't do that. Yeah, better just avoid it. Yeah. Sure, It's f if you're just some regular person who's going to do it, Microsoft's not going to care. But, like, imagine if someone like Luke did a video on that or DT did a video on that. You think that uh, Microsoft would just let that slide? Not with that audience size. How big is Mental Outlaws channel? I think he's... He's not a he's small channel. 20K. Yeah, 27k. <laughs> Which is small enough that they're probably going to just not care. But I think there was a channel that was like 150 or 200k that did it. And, yeah. It'd be funny if Chris Titus did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, it would be, but I feel like he he understands well enough why doing that's a bad idea. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, Windows Server 2003, full build guide, 9,000 views. Not yeah. worth it. <laughs> no. And uh, I, I because I my channel's much smaller, I probably would have gotten about, you know, half or so views, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. I think I might actually have to head out now. Okay. Um, yeah, that's all good. Uh, okay, before we do that then, do you have a mm. channel you want to give a shout out to? Anyone you think deserves a bit of attention? It can be a big channel, it can be a small channel, it doesn't really matter. Who got me into Obsidian? I would say a really great channel. Um, there's a lot of content on Obsidian and uh, Remnote, which I'm looking at later this weekend, is Notes with Ren, R-E-N. Um, I think she's got a few more, uh, maybe a thousand or so more subscribers than me, mm -hmm. but I really enjoy her videos and her editing style is really good too. Cool. Uh, yeah, this, this does seem like a good channel that I have no interest in watching. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, very well. Very new. Basically, no videos. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I've seen all the, all the new people that just uh, do the quality over quantity videos and just immediately just jump way over you. It's just like, ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I could do stuff like... I Sure, I could do that, but there's not really much... With, like, the sort of videos I'm doing, even if I spent a week on one video, there's not really much else you can say when you can cover everything in the video in 15, 20 minutes. I get for some content yeah. it makes sense, but... Yeah, for what I'm doing, I... I don't know, maybe I'll try it out at some point, but for now I'm kind of happy where I am. We already got you on the thumbnails. <laughs> yeah, yeah... Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if I'll start doing the the really big faces, but maybe, maybe it'll happen. I Probably not. 
This is probably the most expressive you'll get from me. <laughs> anyway. The memes are coming. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, now that they have that, they are definitely coming. As for me, uh, I recommend going checking out a channel called Liam Dowling. He's actually a pretty new guy. Um, he makes Australian skit comedy. He's got this series called Australian on Exchange in America. And basically, it's just him getting really, really drunk and just playing, like, six characters by himself. If he needs to play a female character, he'll put a towel over his head and just, like, pretend like that's his long hair. Uh, besides <laughs> that, he'll do videos where he's, like, recently uh, White Claws came to Australia, so he did a review on White Claws. <laughs> um, and the rest of his videos are just him getting absolutely drunk and people call him an alcoholic, but... Look, it's only yeah. it's only eight white claws on a Monday at twelve in the morning. I'm actually going to check that one out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I recommend him. He's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much everything then. So, where can people find you, Mister Jenks? You search my name on YouTube, Brian Jenks. And you can find my all my socials on there or my website, brianjenks.dev. And everything's listed there as well. Cool. Uh, your links will be down below. So, yeah, anything... I, I should include everything. It should be the same stuff as before, I reckon. Unless maybe something's changed. I don't know. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that's pretty much everything then. Unless you have anything else you want to say. No, it's just been good to talk to you again, man. Yeah, it has been. I'll definitely have to pop into one of your live streams again at some point when you do one. It was fun just hanging out while I was doing some stuff. My girlfriend also will go on her own computer, pop into my stream, and then roast me with chat. And they love it. <laughs> oh, She'll be like, perfect. hey, when's okay. dinner? And they'll be like, hey, man, you better go handle that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Oh, Lord. So, I think before we go, I will have to thank my supporters. So, a special thank you to Chris L., Joachim, Corbinian, Andrew, Craig, Nathan, Montezar, Chico, Bento, Joseph, Pinity, Road, Tony, Brennan, Donald, John, Marikin, Kel, Nate, Dog, Nephite, Poe, Tease, and Zilva. If you want to go support, I've worked up the links down below to the things. Subscribe, star, leave a pay. Patreon, that one. Um, this podcast is available... Anywhere, basically, as an audio distribution. If you, if it's an audio platform for podcast, it's probably there. If it's not, I don't know, DM me and I'll get it on there. Uh, the video version is available on YouTube, Library, and Odyssey, so check all that stuff out. And I've got a, a, another channel where most of you guys are probably listening to this from. If you're not, though, it is Brody Robertson. I do Linux-y content most of the time. Maybe I'll do a video on Obsidian, maybe I won't. But mainly it's... Vim plugin reviews and software showcases and things of that nature. Maybe I'll also talk about, like, news sometimes when there's something that interests me. Generally, there's not, though. So I think that's pretty much everything. I'll give you the uh, the final words, Brian. Um, I wasn't prepared, so... Uh, no one is. Supporters' names on Patreon that I can remember. Uh, yeah, I'm drawing a blank because my mind sucks. So thank you, everyone, on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> go check out yeah if, if you guys want to support if you got the uh, book words if you guys like brian you want to support him uh i guess i'll include his patreon down below as well 
Go check out his uh, note-taking content. See if you enjoy it. Give him some money. <laughs> Thanks. Go, go simp to Brian. I've got enough simps in my <laughs> Discord. I'm on Twitch now, too, so I guess I can, I can have that culture now. Yes, yes, you can. You start saying poggers and all that. Good lord. <laughs> cool. Uh, I think that's pretty much everything then, so... I'm out.